And now a message from our sponsor. Hey everybody, it's Bootleg Captain, Captain Bootlegs here. Yeah. If you're like me, I bet you're enjoying this Toys, Toys on, on Tap, Tap podcast. Yeah, I am enjoying it, it's very nice. But did you know you can enjoy it more just by joining that Patreon? Oh, I did not know that. There are so many cool perks available on the Patreon for you. There's and also and Wow, that's really a lot of stuff if you ask Bootleg Captain. Captain I don't bootleg. understand. There were noises I couldn't hear with the person. So join today to support Toys on Tap podcast and Bootleg Art Toys. But if you're not in a position to join the Patreon, head on over to Apple iTunes and review and subscribe. That helps out the channel as well. Okay, I'll go rate it, I guess. And remember, listen to Toys, Toys on, on Tap. Captain Bootleg, the bootleg captain sent you. Why does he keep referring to himself in the third Can person? I stop with the stupid voice now? I'm not sure why you made me want to sound like a pirate. Oh, so that was a fake voice. Oh, yucko! I didn't realize it was just pretend voice. Oh, okay. Yep. Mark's Toys. How's it going? Good. All else? I'm so stoked this worked out so quickly. Right? Yeah, it was just all happenstance. I had another artist that, like, couldn't do it or whatever, and then you had reached out, and we were trying to get you all plugged in, so I'm stoked that you're in. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Welcome I, to Toys on Tap. Yeah, thank you. So... Uh, this interview, obviously, all about you. Uh, you go by two names, DeMarc's Toys and Buzzard Guts. Yes. And so I'm excited to dive into that. Uh, I'm excited to talk all about your toy history, all about what you do, how long you've been in the game. But before we start anything, do you want to introduce yourself? Um, yeah, sure. I am Dane Marks from DeMarc's Toys on Instagram and a Buzzard Guts Toys. I love it. I'm so stoked. I've heard, full disclosure, I've heard your name ever since I started making toys. Oh, yeah. And I, and I never, like, because with the podcast, I, I only put out one episode a week. So I'm, like, trying to make my rounds as quickly as I can. Right. And you were on the list. But, hey, you, like a like a moth to a flame. You, you came in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I've been seeing what you're doing on, uh, on Instagram. And I listened to the podcast a little bit. And. Yeah, wanted to get get in on what you had going and stoked. I love it. And what enticed me so much, this is so off topic. You recorded a little snippet for behind the bootleg. It's oh, yeah. saying that you're DeMarc's toys. And the way that you said it, I immediately was like, I gotta get him on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, that was kind of funny. Um, I like the doing little snippets. Like, was I did I use an accent for that? I I, I couldn't remember. I think so. It was like some like southern drawl. Like it was so good. It was so good. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, all about it. So we're gonna dive in, and I when I say dive in, we're going all the way to the beginning because I did a little bit of research, found out where Buzzard Guts comes from. So tell us about the zine that you ran in the 90s that started as Buzzard Guts. Right. Um, so we, a uh, group of my friends and, uh, and I, we used to hang out at um, this place called The Kettle. And we were all in bands and we we're all comic artists and stuff and um, playing shows. And uh, yeah, I z the zine thing was just kind of like, we all had our notebooks that we would pass around and we would like, uh, draw pictures um, that we would add to and uh, you know write write little stories and comics and stuff and then it got to a point where we had so much stuff that I would compile it and photocopy it and uh, and put it out we would do music reviews on different bands that we had seen or records that had come out and um, that's pretty much where that started and it kind of went into a, a mini comic phase for a little while um and uh yeah just like collaborating with other people and compiling it all together in anthologies is where that started and you had i couldn't remember how many issues but do you have any of those issues to this day um i think i i think i might have some in storage somewhere i haven't i haven't seen any uh personally okay. in quite a few years uh you know, there was a, a few dozen. I feel like maybe we got into, 
you know, 30 or 40, but um, I maybe only kept like half of that over the yeah. year. That's, and would you just hand them out to whoever you saw? Yeah. Copied them? Yeah. We were just, sometimes we just put stacks of them somewhere at the venue and, or just in random places at the mall or the coffee shop and just, you know, for anyone ran to randomly pick it up, you know, like maybe in the bookstore, just kind of sneak it, <laughs> up, sneak it in the Kroger, in the Kroger uh, aisle on uh, yeah. comic section or something. Um, yeah, it was, that was fun doing that um, as a way to like express, uh, you know, my creative side with my friends and stuff. I love that. So we're going to like straight into the, the toy part. Cause that's kind of what toys on tap all circles around. When, when did you start creating toys and, and like, is this a long process or did it start with other forms of art? Uh, I, I'd have to say it started with other forms of art. Um, I, I, I started doing toys like way before I got into, um, uh making molds and and doing resin and stuff um i i went to uh you know art school briefly in the 90s as well and uh you know played in bands and stuff and we always we always had like things that we would make and like give to each other and uh actually i found a few things that um recently that i forgot i had made um in, in the late 90s just like with uh, old star trek with star trek toys and like felt and um you know making making clothes and painting them and not to like uh for any like other characters than the ones i was creating um so f i first started focusing my art and probably like um 2012 and toys and just like bashing kit bashing toys and um, you know, after going to designer con and, and seeing like some of the other bootleggers and then with the, um, with the internet, you yeah. know, it kind of like opened up a whole new realm of like possibilities of what people were into. And, you know, it was easier to connect with other people who were, you know, doing something similar and, and like be influenced by that. Um, I, so like, yeah, the, pretty much that came into play probably 2012, 2013, when I started kind of focusing on toys, um, just from collecting and, you know, like uh, working a side hustle, of like re reselling like vintage stuff on the internet and figuring out different ways to like, make a quick dollar. And then from that, it kind of like, really didn't matter if I was making money because I had found a voice mm -hmm. to, um, to kind of like put my creativity into and I just kind of developed from there. So, cause 2012 is super early to start that figure. Like that's early on in this whole bootleg scene. Right. You went to that designer con uh, which it was probably held. It wasn't held in Anaheim. Oh, uh, I, I didn't. I, I didn't go to that one in in 2012. It was. I think it was 2014. Might have been the first one I had gone. Okay. To. Um, but I had kind of already been experimenting with um, kit bashing and and different toys, just uh, making random things. Uh, my friend. I have a friend who's a filmmaker. And um, I had made uh, some character, some figures of characters in his movies, and um, just for fun and, and to like uh, promote the films, you know, art house films yeah. that he was making. And um, and then I, I, you know, I kind of picked up some commissions after that of other art house filmmakers who wanted uh, figures of their of their films. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I started getting more into it then. And then in 2014, um, I went to my first designer con and I met um, the Suck Lord and Dove and uh, uh, Healy and uh, I believe um, Peter Goral was there and 
tons of people. I met, I met a lot of people at that, at that show and they kind of opened, opened the floodgates for the possibilities of, of what I could do. And, um, I mean, if you went all the way back on my Instagram, you, you could see how it kind of started as like a personal thing. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, a kind of a definitive moment in where it just ends up turning into just the toys. Yeah. Well, I, and I get, I always get so jealous when I talk to some of the people that have been around longer because you, when you walk into designer con and seeing um, Peter and Healy made and seeing suck Lord people that like go into this last designer con don't have booths because they're, right. they're like big enough to, to sell and do whatever. And they got other stuff going on. And so you got to see the beginnings of, us and that's I, I always get so jealous hearing about that and yeah. how people got to do that. Yeah, I mean, Designer Con is this big, overwhelming thing with a, a lot of artists, and I feel like the bootleg toy makers are kind of like they're like the punk rock of the designer uh, toy art scene. You know, oh it's, yeah, you can you kind of figure out uh power chords and you just kind of go with that and like whatever you can come up with ends up being a jam yeah i (laughs) that's a good way to describe that because like up until maybe this year it's like i've been stuck on not being able to do power chords i'm still working with e d and c all right yeah uh so what made you those initial kit bashes like you you you're making these things and and giving them to bandmates early on or uh, making them in around like 2014 era. What, what's pushing you? What is making you want to do these kit bashes? And what initially pushed your art into toys? Um, well, I had been working at a moped shop yeah. um, uh, at that time. And um we we like specifically would gut out uh you know m- m- mopeds and sell the parts online and it was a you know a big business model uh, for this guy that i worked with everyone that worked there also had their own ebay store um uh, where they would find their their niche mm-hmm. uh, to you know a side hustle to make quick cash and um i learned from them the best way to do that um, is just to kind of go with what you know and, um, you know, finding stuff uh, for real cheap that you can resell at a, at a huge profit margin. And um, so that kind of started me on a, a, a toy hunt. You know, I became a toy hunter and I would I would use my weekends to go to the flea market and just look for stuff that I could I could resell. And um you know, I found a lot of like rare Star Wars stuff, like the last 17 figures where pe- people yeah. didn't realize they were like worth a hundred bucks. And, I, you know, I can get, uh, get the Anamadan figure for 20 bucks at the flea market. And, you know, that's worth like 85 to a hundred dollars on eBay. Yeah. And it's one of those figures that, you know, will sell right away if you put the right price on it. So, uh, and then, you know, buying like big, big bulks, uh, lots of toys and looking on Craigslist and finding really good deals. But then all that stuff would kind of end up paying for itself. We interrupted this broadcast of Toys on Top to bring you this. Meanwhile, in a galaxy of bootleg treasures. DOV2, we have an engine failure. We must crash land on DKE Toy Planet. Oh my, we're doomed. Wait! Salvation! Hooray! We're saved in DLV2! Limited edition custom artist-made action figures and DKE Toys! Check out www.dkatoys.com for a full catalog. Hooray for custom action figures! DKE! And my private collection was stuff that I couldn't sell, which is kind of stack up. Yeah. And so I, you know, I was like trying to figure out ways to like keep this stuff moving. And um, 
you know, I came across some stuff and, you know, I had done, I had done stuff like kid bashing before and never really felt like it was an option um, until I saw that other people were doing it and I could possibly, um, you know, go in that same direction. So, you know, like workshopping ideas and just like putting, you know, mashing two th- ideas together and creating yeah. something kind of be- became what, what um what i was doing and uh yeah and it just kept developing from there you know and 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 i feel like since then it has constantly been evolving and like more people have been noticing oh i could i can do that and you know like it i feel like um it's how like an art form develops, I guess. Yeah. Is, you know, other, other, there are a few people who kind of like do something new and then it draws other artists in to like a new medium. And um, it's, I think it's been building up some pretty good momentum over the last uh, decade or so. Yeah. It's been growing like crazy. Uh, wait, I, I mean, you said something in there that intrigued me. Uh, that your own collection did you collect before you started this niche market on ebay or did that start you to collecting that started me back collecting okay so you've Um, always been a collector yeah and but it would always be the kind of thing because i i've i've moved around a lot um you know i've lived in multiple states and and um every time i end up moving i end up having to purge a lot of my collection oh yeah. So, you know, in, in that period in the nineties, when I first left, um, you know, where I grew up in Louisiana, I had to, I had to get rid of my toys, a lot of my childhood toys. Mm. And, um, I was, I'm, I guess I'm part of the, um, the group that was kind of like disappointed by the Phantom Menace. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so like the release of the Phantom Menace, I was like disillusioned by Star Wars, and mm-hmm. I was I was fine with getting rid of all this crap. I was just like, you know, I'm I'm done with I'm done with this. You know, I still saw all the movies, but I was I just kind of jaded about it. You know, I felt like let down and yeah. And it's funny to talk to people now because, um, you know, that whole next generation who are exposed to that second run of films um you know that was their first exposure they have a completely different viewpoint on it Mm -hmm. uh, than i do because of that and uh um and then i kind of settled down and like start getting start like finding things again and using it in art um but it hadn't really become such a thing until yeah until recently uh, when I started recollecting again, and now my my collection is so huge, I don't even know what to do with <laughs> most of this stuff anymore. It's just filling up uh, tent bins and and uh, just like yeah, I feel like I'm hoarding stuff. Really, <laughs> it's like <laughs> I I need I need to uh, smash these things, destroy these things, so I can create something new and move on from them. You know. Yeah. When you, so, uh, I mean, it's crazy to think that you had to get rid of some of your childhood stuff. So I'm only 31. So like nineties, I was really young. So I wasn't really alive in the heyday of toys in like the late seventies, eighties. And, right. uh, but it sounds like you were. Yeah. And so what was, what was it like being, having some of those things, having to get rid of like, were you just a Star Wars person? Did you do GI Joe? What were the things? You um, did? I had a I had a small GI Joe collection. Um, yeah. It wasn't uh, I, it wasn't really um, my thing completely, but I had I had a couple of friends who were really into GI Joes, and um, you know they have they have like a, all those big ships and <gasps> the planes and like um, I I remember going to a friend's birthday party and their entire house was just gi joe ships everywhere like planes and 
boats and cars and um did they have the aircraft carrier yeah like the yeah all the big the big things and yeah it kind of made me jealous like uh i didn't i didn't get uh a lot of the big toys even even the star wars toys i, I never yeah. got the big play sets like my my neighbor had it the millennium falcon and you know that was like that was a big deal and um i think one year i was i did get gifted uh the the ad at the large mm. ad at and it, it it was like my my big toy yeah um and yeah when i had to, i think actually i i held the ad at is the thing i held on to the longest and i i feel like i even traveled with it for a little while and um ended up selling it to a friend um so I, I actually know where my original ad at from my childhood is right now. Okay. Do I think about it? Um, but I think it's nailed to their ceiling. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I went to a party and um at their house and yeah, it was just I was like, oh wow, there's an ad at up there. And my friend was like, Yeah, that's your ad at. And I was like, Man, <laughs> that's from my childhood. Yeah, you're like, what are you doing to me? So you begin in 2012 or in 2012-ish you go to designer con 2014 you meet uh these heavy hitters these uh beginners in the toy community and then you start creating and they open this floodgate this whole new world to toy making for you what is that like because then you i'm assuming you move from kit bashing to creating and so then what is it like learning how the process works? Did you ask any of them for help? What was that like for you? Yeah, I talked to I talked to Pete a little bit um, to get some tips. Um, Morgan didn't really have any any tips that he wanted to share, <laughs> uh, which is fine. Um, yeah, that's not I think, a shock. I, yeah, I think the best he advice uh, he gave me was, um, "Is there such thing as a perfect cast?" He said something like that. And I was like, uh, I guess not. Like, Sounds and, about right. And um, so, I mean, like in, in that vein, like I, I've never really like tried to perfect, you know, that the, like, I, I feel like Peter is all about perfection and, and suck Lord is, you know, he kind of prides it on its shittiness factor a little bit. Yeah. Um, and the way I saw that was, um, it takes a lot of time to, to do this stuff. You know, it's, it's a, it's a complicated, long, complicated process and it's uh, pretty much trial and error. And um, so I was like, as I was going along, I didn't, I didn't start with a pressure pot and um, I would figure out ways to get it as close to perfect as possible or to like make it seem like it was that. And um and then learn to love the little flaws that would come along with it, with, with things. And um, in that process, you know, it's like, you just get an idea and then the more you do it, the more you learn. So I didn't really seek out too much advice. Okay. Um, uh, Just like there, there were like some, a few technical things that, um, that I learned from different people, you know, like, on how to like pour, you know, at an angle and, and like tap your, your mold, you know, or, um, you know, being able to visualize the flow of air in the mold mm-hmm. and, and to like um, create the, the box. So the air flows all to the top very easily. And, um, and once I figured that out, I feel like um, when it was easy to pull like an almost perfect mold, without a pressure pot then like for me the next step was the pressure pot and it was so much easier it was like i was still making my mold boxes the same way but i didn't have to put as much effort into into like where the where the bubbles would end up you know and uh definitely the the uh, pressure pot was a game changer but it wasn't a complete necessity for me, you know, it's like, um, and I, and I feel like that was a good advantage for me to have 
not being not having to rely on that tool mm-hmm. um and and then when i when i got that tool it, it made it so much easier you know so you i mean suck lord i it's funny to hear you call him uh morgan because not many people get that honor which is cool but uh I I naively reached out to him when I first started and I couldn't figure out how to do like molding and casting wasn't even on my radar. It was the backer right. that I was most into. Oh yeah. And I, I asked him like, Hey, you may never, never see this, but if you do, how do you make your backers? Like, who do you go through to print them? And I think if I can remember like correctly, he said, I don't, um, don't like don't be stupid or something like that like i just i print it out and i spray it and i put it on chipboard Mm -hmm. or whatever he does yeah and so it was and to tell people that story they're shocked that he was willing to divulge even that which was cool yeah but it's interesting that in this beginning era you're trying to kind of figure things out uh with everyone else along the same path and and you're learning you're the first person I've ever talked to that started like and figured out how to do it without a pressure pot and now using the pressure pot. And it's like, Oh yeah, I could do it without it, but it, this is cool. This makes it easy. Yeah. Which is interesting. Like, and so uh, it's just one more way that everyone in the beginning had their own ways to figure things out and look at it, which is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend when I first started doing it, um, he, uh, he was just like dumbfounded by what I had discovered. And uh, he immediately got into it and he just went full blown and uh, went, he did the pressure pot um, and, and he would, um, he would, he would do uh, articulated figures mm-hmm. down to the, the shell of yeah. the torso where he would cast each side of the, the torso. And it was just like a massive uh, amount of work for for one figure you know you're you're looking at um like uh, seven or eight molds there mm-hmm. um depending on what you're doing um and w- w- which you know i i feel like should put the value of the figure a little bit higher because of all the work that's involved um i've gotten it to a point where i'm i'm not really interested in all the the extra playable factors of of a toy yeah i i do like one piece molds and um i build my box with with the completed kit bash figure mm-hmm. in it. and uh you know pour in through the feet i don't i don't inject it's all hand poured um which you know that's another another uh step in the process that i feel would you know add add a price point to the figure while you're doing so much work um, but it also kind of makes it, makes it harder for the, the figure to stay together in the package. Maybe, yeah. you know, I would ship figures that I had, I had parts glued together and they would arrive at the buyer, um, you know, broken apart, you know, the arms would fall off or, or, you know, in shipping and then I'd have to like refund or, you know, get it sent back so I can fix it. And yeah, I made it so much easier just to have like a one piece figure, like ready to go and package. Um, so I lean toward that. Yeah. And I think that's why I stay away from magnetic articulation. I'm, I'm more, I think I'm along your lines of the articulation is fun, but the playable factor for me isn't, that's not huge for me. I want to make something yeah. that's art rather than playable for a kid. Right. Which is, I, I'm glad that other people are like that. So you, you create, you start creating these toys and what is that first toy that you are experimenting to create? Uh, that's like a run that you're having to mold and figure this out with. What's that first toy? Do you remember? Um. 
I did a series of uh, muta droids, but that ended up being a series of one-offs. I guess the first run that I did was uh, a space. It was called Space Spectre. Okay. And um, I, I I feel like I was kind of going toward the um, um I, I guess uh, Peter had the uh, Phantom Star Killer that was. Uh, you know, even kind of a popular piece for him back then, but it had basically the skull face. And, um, I put, um, a rebel soldier helmet on the back of it and, uh, you know, walrus man torso and something random arms, I think some GI Joe arms or something. And, uh, uh, but the robot arms, it was, uh, it was just an interesting piece. And, yeah. um, I uh it was my first experiment on that and I actually did a two part mold on that one um and then later on I did a a release um through uh the name escapes me but I did a release of the space specter and it was like maybe 30 figures and wow. uh it was novelty house I don't know if you're familiar okay. with uh, novelty house H A U S um and so that was like a collaboration between uh, myself and them. And uh, yeah, that was, that was like, I was like, uh, I think a loose, they sold them loose, okay. so, you know, in a baggie, but my original run was card backed um, on, on cards. Which is, that's, I, I love that, that they, that you did a, a run of 30 so early on. And so this is also the beginnings of Instagram and all this. What was it like trying to find more people in the community that were doing what you were doing? Um, it was pretty easy. Uh, okay. Actually, most of them kind of just found me. And um, I feel like uh, a lot of a lot of people who I met on Instagram, their their whole Instagram kind of changed from the beginning you know it's like like how mine was like oh i have a picture of my dog and i, I went to this event and yeah you know, oh, like this is what my breakfast breakfast looks like and, <laughs> and then and then they're you know they discover me or i discover or or something or they can come across something or they're already in it you know i feel like there was already a lot of people doing stuff um by the time i had gotten there that were kind of already in their own flow, but they're, you know, to this day, they're still maybe kind of unknown in the scene, you know? Yeah. Or, or they're just doing it because it's their hobby and they're not really trying too hard to sell stuff. And if they do, they sell it for really cheap. Yeah. Um, when you started in that time and you're looking around at everyone else's flow and identity in this toy scene, did you feel like you had a voice, your own voice through what you were making? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, I think like uh, somewhat less now, I feel like my, my, my voice is kind of like amongst the others um, that, you know, cause we're all kind of doing similar things. Um, but I, I, it, I noticed people would, um, you know, they would see something that they liked and they would relate to it and they would comment, you know, and I guess, you know, people communicating with each other really is what's important uh, or, or what's noticeable, mm -hmm. you know, like, or, you know, counting likes and stuff. Uh, you know, I get that seems like not very important, but in the internet age, it's kind of like how everything is gauged. Yeah. what we're engaged on and um you know like how like who are you reaching with this and do they really understand and i feel like i feel like really like it's brought like all these people that have these similar interests together from all over the world because mm. you know i have i have friends and and you know in real life that aren't they're not you know they think it's cool but it's not really their thing yeah then uh you know the internet group 
the internet friends that I've made are, are friends that are like all interested in making toys. And, um, it's, you know, it kind of brings, brings all those like minds together and probably, and I would feel like many fields, you know, yeah. you know, the bodybuilder groups probably have their, their own IGs and, yeah. and, and, you know, the hunters and, you know, sports fans and foodies, you know, it's like how to relate to one another. And, uh, it's just all at our fingertips. Yeah. And it seems, I mean, it was, it would probably be harder to tell back then, but now there's people all over the world doing this. I talked to people in Argentina and, uh, for a while I was talking to someone in Iran that was doing it and in New Zealand. And it's just, it is crazy to think about how much this scene has grown, even in the last couple of years. Right. And so, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of overwhelming in a way. Yeah, and so I think like that's why you're the first person I've asked that question about your voice. Um, because and I think it's because you have been around in this scene for so long, and it's almost the question of if this scene continues to grow at the rate at which it's growing, are we all going to lose our voice or do we just become one more in the crowd? We interrupt this broadcast of Toys on Top to bring you this. Earth to Aliens have landed, Earthling. I want lowbrow art and bootleg toys. Toys, 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 toys. Well, you come to the right place. Earth to Kentucky is a shop for folks who love vintage sci-fi, lowbrow, and art bootleg toys. Toys, toys, toys. They're located over there at 836 Main Street, Covington, Kentucky. Toys, toys, toys. They carry original art, vintage action figures, designer bootleg toys, and toys, 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 and t-shirts. Designed exclusively for their store by some of their favorite artists. Thank you, Earthling. I enjoy Earth to Kentucky. I have all my favorite bootleg art toys. toys. Hey, look at that over there! It's a spaceship! Yeah. I need to go now. Someone's filming me in my spaceship. Shop now. www.earthtokentucky.com That's earth2kentucky.com Or just land your spaceship when they're open. Yeah. I. Yeah, that's really hard to say. I feel like, I feel like we've become one more in the crowd. Um, I've, always, I've always been drawn to things that other people aren't really into, you know, I, I feel like, um, you know, like it's hard to explain, but once it becomes a buzz when it's like the, or when the, when the buzz like reaches a point where it's like mainstream or close yeah. to it, it becomes just kind of what everybody else is doing and, and makes it kind of hard to, to continue to go on. Not that, um, not that I'm, you know, like, I, I don't want anybody else to do this thing, <laughs> but it's kind of, it's kind of interesting to like, cause I used to, I feel like I, I was a lot more prolific before mm -hmm. and the more people who started doing this and I'm watching them, you know, like, it's like almost like maybe I shouldn't be following people or like watching what they're doing because they're doing they're kind of doing what what i'm doing so yeah. you know it's like well they got that part covered so i need to do something else that's going to be different from that and um it's it's hard to like always remember that it is unique no, like no matter how many people are doing it it's not like you're not like <laughs> normal people don't understand they don't get it you know it's like yeah. we're still a very like small niche group um and the numbers the numbers of people that are doing what we're doing seem high because they're they're from all over the world they're not just like oh regional or mm -hmm. or like in our state they're they're everywhere and because of the internet we can access that immediately yeah yeah and it's tough too because 10 years from 2012 with you kit bashing until now 10 years doesn't seem like a long time but in this scene even in the short amount of time that i've been doing it only about two years now i've seen people come and go quickly yeah so i can only imagine how many people 
over the span of your toy making history that you've seen come and go, even people that you loved? Yeah, it has been quite a lot. Um, and I feel like a lot of those people kind of, they kind of like get what all they, they can from the medium. Mm-hmm. They learn, they learn from it and they, they move on or they decide, you know, that's not really how they want to spend their time. Um, Cause there's a lot of time involved. And I think that's, oh, yeah. and there's a lot of energy. There's a lot of creative energy, like workshopping, like the perfect mashup and, you know, getting, getting it done before somebody else thinks of it. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of pressure there. And, um, you know, with, with like these prolific artists who are, you know, putting out just, you know, daily, you know, I feel like there are artists that, you know, have, they have, you know, a new figure every day yeah. to show off. And eventually that's going to run out, you know, all those ideas or it won't. I mean, <laughs> there's, I mean, you can make a, an action figure out of any, anything really. Um, yeah. But I, I like to draw the line at, you know, sometimes I, I don't really take commissions um, because a lot of commi- a lot of commissions are like vanity figures, you know, somebody wants a figure of themselves or yeah, you know, their their bandmate or like, you know, you know, a, a weird a weird obscure movie or you know, um and you know, I I'd, I'd rather not spend my my time on stuff like that. Although there's a lot of like funny meme kind of action figures that come out and uh you know just being on the cutting edge and it's i feel like it's a a lot more competitive than people realize it is yeah as far as like keeping up with our other artists and trying to stay relevant yeah i i think yeah relevancy is always tough because i don't even know I don't know. I don't know what that means anymore for me. (laughs) Like, I think because in this scene, we're all trying to create things that are either weird or that your own characters or, and it's like, it's trying to answer the question, is this relevant enough that people will take notice and want it, but also niche enough that people will understand like, this is me. Right. And I I think that's a struggle that I I constantly go through. But there are a couple toys that you have made uh, before every episode. I usually go through and I stock and do whatever I do. But there's a couple toys that you've made that I I was just staring at in awe, which I absolutely love. So in your toy making history, as you've done this, the Super Stario Bros. Right. Was it like... It, go through the process of what do you remember that process of what it was like to come up with that and like a whole world based like two degrees off normal of what Mario Brothers was. Right. Um, you know, like really, I think I saw um, I, I it was I was just doing this and that and somebody uh, posted on my Facebook page um, uh, a bash up a mashup of, of, um, of a Mario, um, with the, with the Bespin guard head and the the X-wing fighter. And, you know, they had painted the X-wing to look like a, the jumpsuit or the the overalls. Okay. And, um, so actually, I mean, in full bootleg form, I just kind of jacked that that idea. <laughs> um, the honesty and, is nice. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was um it was more for me like when I did it it was more like, oh, well, I I looked at I looked at the figure and that was the, the thing like for me in the beginning like seeing other people's work was identifying the parts. Mm-hmm. And um and and you know, it was like it's like, oh, well, kind of like writing a recipe book for for a character and stuff and um and then and kind of like learning that it's like well i can use this for that and that for that and you know changing it up a little bit by like what i have available to me um but using like the basic you know like idea of the the best been 
the Bespin guard being the Mario head because mainly because of the mustache. And I think his hat even has like a little circle on it where it's kind of like, yeah, his emblem was. And then um, I developed a, a whole series from that and came up with my own recipes for the other characters. Um, you know, whether like, I think I did the Waluigi and I, I used the, 99 droid or uh whatever it was from rogue one mm -hmm. that had the really long arms and legs and i put him on a a bosque um torso which he has he also wears like um, a flight suit which is kind of similar to a, a pair of overalls with the straps yeah and um um yeah yeah, that, that series just kind of like was uh, an experiment for me, I feel like, and kind of like figuring out like how how to use like a recipe to like create these characters. And, yeah. uh, um, and, 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 you know, my medium is figure parts, is action figure parts, you know, like by, you know, I have like, you know, tens of, of um, figures that are, or just they're like my paint colors, you know, and you know, it's kind of fun just to boil stuff up and then like randomly put stuff together and see what it come what it turns into. Yeah. You well, you I said something at the beginning that kind of uh where it was like it's like two degrees off normal. Cause I have written down the the Cybot Avengers as well. Oh yeah. And each one of those was painted as a different Avenger. And if it's the destroyer droid, correct? Um, yeah, I used I used C3PO and the Star the um Star Destroyer. Um and uh I made a mold of each and then just kind of did the color scheme, like the classic comic color scheme yeah. to make it look like what whichever and C3PO worked out like perfectly for everyone like obviously iron man but um you know it actually worked for like a lot of the other characters as well um and then i think i decided to use that nine that uh death star destroyer droid um because it was like kind of like a good spider-man he had like the the eyes the big eyes and um i did a venom with him too and um and I kind of I kind of like the idea of that because it's the same figure and all it really takes is this, you know, color design. Yeah. To like and you know when you look at it you you think of the character immediately because you're familiar with the way the colors are. And um and then when you take kind of take a closer look you realize oh it's a C3PO. Yeah. And then you did a figure a little bit later that I'm interested in because it took a different shape because there was an enamel pin that got created with it. There was, it was the Say Utini. Say Utini, yeah. And it just, so I'm always interested when an artist uh, creates a figure that has like the pin and it has other stuff that comes with it, the back or everything all together what made you collab the Jawa with that? And what made you, and what was it? R5, D4, whatever it was that it was with. Right. Um, so I think that I had, um, I had a, a boom box. Mm -hmm. And um, at the time, I'm, I'm not really sure. I think it might've been 2015 or maybe 16. I don't remember the year that came out, but um i was noticing the boom box a lot in bootleg figures a lot of mm -hmm. people it was kind of a theme and i wanted to um i wanted to like contribute my my this is my boom box figure yeah you know and and you know i have a few things like that like i have a, a boba fett that you know that's my boba fett contribution mm -hmm. um but with the with that boom box i with the jawa um, you know, I think it was a power of the force from the nineties Jawa, not even the good Jawa. 
but it actually is a great a great figure and yeah. uh um the boombox just fit so easily into his hand I, and and uh immediately it popped into my head the move the john cusack movie say anything mm-hmm. um cusack's wearing a, a trench coat a brown trench coat and uh you know I, you know he owes the boombox it's an iconic image and um and I, I pitched the idea to my artist, uh, Neil De- Devlin from Last Bo- Boss Comics. And, you know, he did a, a watercolor painting and I told him I wanted it to look like the Say Anything poster. And we both kind of decided at the same time that it could it should be called Say Utini because the Jawa, the Jawa language, you know, that's one of the words that it's an exclamation that means, wow. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it was just kind of like that one just came all together. And I didn't really think, I really didn't think that it was going to be the hit that it was. Yeah. You know, it was like a Jawa and a boombox and this 80s movie that's, you know, not really that, it's not the best John Cusack movie that that you'll ever see, you know, but yeah. um but it's in a, in a very iconic movie. Like they they still play out that that scene and everything nowadays. There's parodies of it all over. Holding the ju- the jukebox over your head to like oh yeah win the girl's favor and um, yeah. <laughs> yeah and uh, and so that went to New York Comic Con and I think I made thirty five of them and they sold out day one. Wow. And um, Dove Dove said that if he, if I had made a hundred of them, he probably still would have sold them out. <laughs> Jeez. So, um, you know, I kind of like should have made a hundred of them, but it was nice to sell out and, and uh, you know, at New York Comic Con of all places. And so um, that ended up on the, uh, resin masters um action figure case that duff put out yeah um and uh which was dove's idea i i i um i gave him the idea for that case um and uh, i was like the only stipulation is i think you can pull it off better than i could only stipulation is i want a character on it and he was like well how about the jawa and uh, I, I wanted it to be my punk rock Princess Leia. Okay. But he thought the Jawa was, was better because it was a sellout figure. And so, uh, yeah, I got to be a part of that for that reason. And uh, and then, yeah, um, you know, I did a, a few runs. I think I did um, maybe three more editions after that. I did a, a really short edition with a vintage Jawa and a different um jam box and um and then the pens were just kind of like a natural yeah um i noticed at conventions um having something like enamel pens is real it's really good for sales because it's cheaper Mm -hmm. and 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 uh if you have a lot of them then a lot of people will just oh well i want to get something and you know do you have any pens yeah and uh yeah, it's, it, it, like enamel pens, like I found out, is is really like how to make those those booth sales like worth attending a convention like that. Yeah, I think uh, there was a couple people that took advantage of that mentality this last designer con, where I would walk around and there was these booths that were like this right here it's like three bucks and it took they definitely took advantage of that like i just want to get anything yeah so when you look over in making uh these toys and 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 doing all these things for so long what would you say where would you say this toy scene is headed where do you think it's headed oh man i don't know that's a good um, question for you. Yeah, I I feel like it's gonna keep growing. Um 
the more people that do it, you know, it's like it's like how an art form evolves and the more people are doing it, the more people see it. Um I don't I don't really think that it'll ever really like catch on to like a mainstream mentality. I think it'll it'll stay like in small groups of people mm-hmm. and it'll have like new influxes of of artists who discover you know like a artists who are looking for like a new like a different form of medium or who like to like kind of dab and everything yeah um you know like they're really successful artists that you know have their you know they're, they're known for like their paintings and stuff or their drawings and then they add they add oh well you know i i also have action figures i mean that's a whole new element um i think what's what's really good about it is that you can come up with an with something an idea for a piece of art and it's not just one thing you can mass produce it to a, a scale and um you know, if if you can sell ten or even five of something, that's that's a pretty successful art piece. You know, and and not only one person will have it. You know, more than you know, like that group of people that has that. You know, they're kind of part of their own little secret club that has yeah. a very unique piece. So that's where this is headed. Where's Demarc's toys headed? Uh. DeMarc's toys as buzzer guts or just like make me making toys. Uh, let's do both. I still have a, still have some ideas that I'm working on. Um, I've kind of put myself in hiatus um, a little bit. Um, Is there a reason? Well, I'm in between studios right now. Okay. So I haven't, I haven't had access to, um, to all of my, my stuff. A lot of my stuff is in storage. Um, I do have some releases coming out, some shows. I'm um, I'll, the next uh, DKE uh, online thing. I'm going to have uh, a release, and I'm trying to be more active in the Earth to Kentucky shows. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Dusty asked me to, uh, you know, maybe do a, a personal show mm-hmm. uh, in the future, and I think he's just starting to get stuff like that going. Um, I haven't, I haven't, I didn't, uh, I was supposed to be in the, the Twilight Zone show, but um, I wasn't really satisfied with the idea that I had come up with. And I didn't think it was like really in the, in the vein of, of I don't know. I just kind of like missed, missed the point yeah. <laughs> for that show. And then I, and I kind of like slept on that heavy metal show that's about to come out. Um but mainly because I haven't been uh, in a functional studio, okay. And I've been uh, I've been kind of uh, I've been getting into like watching a lot of films and um, and and television shows and uh, uh, actually making more films uh, with my one of my lifelong friends. Um, we've been making films together since the '90s, and uh, we're kind of been working on like dogma 95 style films yeah and uh so i i last year i was kind of like focusing on that like during during quarantine or not really focusing but kind of like that was my main project was a, a film um that i worked on called uh bride of shadow zombie um which was a sequel to another film that my friend had made called shadow zombie it's available on an Amazon Prime. It's a Dogma 95 style. It kind of seems like a documentary, but it's all fictional. And uh, actually, that film was kind of like one of the first things that I had made uh, an, my action figure series from. And that was really fun because um, it was fictional characters played by people that I knew. Mm-hmm. So um, it was kind of a, a way to like put put their personalities in those figures and have it like come to life in like this playful form. Um, 
So, you know, um, I still want to, I still have a bunch of series that I started the star world series based on that, um, bootleg figure case. I have three figures of that, that are out. And, um, I think there's four more in that series that I'm planning on doing. Um, and, uh, the, the superstar world, uh, I have, um, I think four or five more kind of like waiting to be, to get a mold bath on that one. And, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to keep up with all these ideas sometimes like, um, they just build up and. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. So with all of that, as we start to uh, wrap up the episode, uh, the last part is all about you as the artist. It's my favorite part of the podcast because it's a it's a part at, that we get to plug everything that you're doing, where we can find you. Um, if you're doing a podcast, if you're doing uh, some kind of show, I, I know that you, uh, not many people know this, but at one point, Killer Bootlegs had a podcast about toy artists and you were yeah. one of his guests. Yeah, I think that might've been episode 13. Yeah. And I, I sat there, it was like a two hour episode. It was awesome. Yeah. We, we just like talked and talked. I remember it was just like, it was flowing. I, I, I forgot that we were recording. I, it was just kind of felt like we were, yeah. we were like in this chat. And uh, it's, it's funny because uh, I, I knew Peter kind of, kind of personally before I met him, um, his uh, cousin was in, he played drums for, for, for in a band that I was in. Okay. And um, he had saw, he had seen, um, the Super Stario uh, world figures that I did back then. And he was like, hey, you should check out my my cousin. He does he does this this shit. And uh, <clears throat> that was my my first exposure to killer boot, bootlegs was direct was like a direct plug like from a you know somebody who knew him personally. It was like, you know, my cousin does this. And so I checked him out and was like, he had he had done that Alfred Hitchcock figure, and I was just like floored because you know I'm really into film, so Hitchcock was just like it was like perfect. It was like yeah, this is like amazing. And um, so when I met Peter, I just I just you know like introduced him uh, myself to him as uh, you know Patrick's friend. Mm -hmm. oh, I'm in a band with your cousin. And then he was like, oh, cool. And it's like, yeah, I got some stuff over here. And, you know, it's like we kind of connected like pretty much right away. That's rad. Yeah. So as we as we close this out, like what where can we find you? What are things that you've got coming soon? Uh, are there any shows, things like that? This is all about you. Yeah, um, I'm DeMarc's Toys on Instagram is the main way to find me um i have i have a film that i produced on youtube and you can find that by searching a, a peculiar noise um uh and my name i think if you put my name in there it'll probably come up that's a music documentary um in the future uh i have a new figure coming out at um from dke um, I think that that's happening in April, I believe it's the next DKE con. Are, are you doing something for that? Yeah, yeah, I'll be sending him something. Um, so yeah, I'll have something for that. I hope to get something to um, Earth to Kentucky for their upcoming. They have a, quite a number of shows that um, I haven't even really super kept up with, but I hope to get something into that soon. I have product i don't i have i'm not actively selling product online right now but my stuff is available through dke toys and through earth to kentucky um there might be there might be an international distributor that has a lot of my stuff but i'm not really sure how to how to find that um and i think i'm going to be working on a new film soon uh, with my friend Jorge Torres Torres. I uh, can't really say too much about that. Um, 
right now, but that's, that's about it. I'm just kind of taking it easy and uh, taking the punches as they roll in. I love it. I love that you say that's about it. That sounded like a long list of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, I guess I have like a number of other things that, that I could list too. Uh, I did a record label in the early two thousands with some people and that stuff's still online, but I'm not really sure. Um, uh, It's so old. It's hardly worth mentioning, but I think it's still there. Um, You know, yeah, I'm just really trying to like, um, you know, find, find my voice and like get, get back into this um, after my hiatus. Um, I've been really distracted by video games lately. So uh, uh, it's kind of been hard. (laughs) Uh, I, are you familiar with the uh, Oculus Quest? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I got one of those. So I spent a lot of time. With, it's kind of nice because I can hang out with old friends, and you know they have their little chat chat rooms and stuff on on there, and uh, um, that's been a pleasant distraction during these quarantine times. The Mark's Toys Buzzard Guts. It was so good to have you on here. I'm Thanks so for glad. having me. Yeah, I'm glad we made it work. I'm glad there's something that. I don't think people understand how great it is to have people that have been here since the beginning Mm -hmm. on the podcast with someone who is so new to talk about all types of things, toys and their life and get to interview them. So thank you so much for giving us your time. Yeah. Thank you, man. Toys on Tap. Next episode. It's great. It's amazing. You're going to want to listen to it. It's not right now, though. You're going to have to wait till the next episode to listen to it. Oh, when's that? The next one. Cool. Toys on Tap. The next one's going to be good, too. So stay tuned and, and, and listen to that. Toys on Tap. Awesome.